You are listening to You Were Made for This, the podcast to help transform your relationships into the best they can be. Welcome to You Were Made for This. If you find yourself wanting more from your relationships, you've come to the right place. Here you'll discover practical principles you can use to experience the life-giving relationships you were made for. And now here's your host, John Sertalic. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening in to today's episode, Episode 4, The Gift of Even Though. Many of us have holes in our heart. I'm not thinking of the physical kind. I'm thinking about the emotional kind, the emotional holes in our heart. I've noticed that some people never get over what's missing in their life, while other people compensate for what they don't have and redeem this lack in their lives by filling that hole with something else that is good and noble and pure. In today's episode, I'll share with you a recent telephone conversation that my wife Janet and I had with a longtime friend who has a hole in her heart and how she and her husband found opportunity in redeeming what was missing in their life. Each year around Thanksgiving, we would get a Thanksgiving card from our dear and longtime friends, Vern and Lorraine. The card stopped coming a year or so ago due to health issues for both of them. So every so often, we will call them, like we did two days before Thanksgiving. They're living in the Twin Cities now, which is where both of them are from. We were 18 years old when we first met them, and they were the age of our parents. That alone is surprising that this older couple wanted to be friends with us, and even more surprising is the fact that they came from a Salvation Army background. The uniforms and the whole bit. I couldn't believe it when they told us that. I have this image of Salvation Army members as being oh so conservative, and the women being oh so dowdy. Vern and Lorraine are so not like that. Very classy in how they dressed, and even classier in how they lived their lives. They are both 93 as of this recording. They have been on my mind recently because whenever someone gets to that age, I do wonder, are they still with us? Have they died? My greatest fear with Vernon Lorraine is not that they'll die, but that they'll die and I won't know about it. Many years ago, Vern told me what he wanted his funeral to be like, and I just want to show up to see if his dream comes true. He said, I just really want to have an open casket, and on one end of the casket, I want to have a big coffee pot. And I just want people to come by, take a glance down at my body, but really be more concerned about the coffee. That's really the kind of funeral I want. So when we called Vernon Lorraine right before Thanksgiving, my greatest hope was that one of them would answer the phone. To my relief, Lorraine picked it up. Just a minute, she said, I have to turn the TV down. It's too loud. We started talking, and I told her that Janet and I wanted uh, to see how they were doing and also to thank them for what they have meant to us for these 50 years. We have known them. Thanksgiving, it seems, is an appropriate time of year to do that. So we started telling her how much we appreciated what she and Vern did for us starting when we were freshmen in college. Before we could get very far, she responded with, Even though we couldn't have children ourselves, we were able to invest in other people and their children. We have had such a good life. Janet and I were just two of the many people that they invested their lives in. We were one of the beneficiaries of this remarkable childless couple, yet with so many children of their own. 
Our first encounter with them was in the spring of our first year in college, which was about 250 miles from home. They were involved with a campus ministry to college students, which, among other things, saw them every Sunday morning driving to each of the dorms on campus to pick up any students who wanted to go to their church. We and others took advantage of their kind offer and rode with them to church in Vern's International Harvester Travel All. Vern was a zone representative for International Harvester, now known as Navistar, where he traveled the northwestern region of Wisconsin selling their fleet of trucks, and he loved his travel all. It was a big boxcar built on a truck frame that resembled today's Chevy Suburban. It was such an odd vehicle for its time. And the more comfortable we became with Vern, the more we would joke with him about what a goofy-looking form of transportation this was. You know, Lorraine agreed with us, and but Vern would just smile, and he always had a cheery comeback to our mostly unkind observations. Lorraine, in the meantime, would roll her eyes and uttered her signature phrase, Oh, Vernon. It didn't faze him a bit. When we got to church, we often walked in laughing because of our banter with Vern. This story is just one example of Lorraine's comment, even though we never had children of our own, we invested in other people's children. We've had such a good life. Hearing her comment made me reflect on the return of their investment, their ROI with Janet and me. Their investment in us was what they modeled in living a life of meaning. And as I think about it, there are really five values that they modeled for us. The first one is to be generous with your resources, namely your time and money. Byrne used to say, if you hang around after church long enough, someone is bound to ask you out to lunch. And he would laugh, and he would take us out to lunch. On other occasions, they would sometimes invite us over to their house for Sunday dinner. Vern would banter with Lorraine about rarely cooking, and she would give it right back to him. He worked long hours and was often gone a few nights a week traveling the region of northwestern Wisconsin. And she worked long hours at her job as a bookkeeper for the Eau Claire Leader Telegram. They both were very hard workers. It was a blast watching them relate with each other. They modeled for us what a good marriage looked like in spite of their differing personalities. At different points, they each took in one of their parents in the last years of their life. First, it was Lorraine's dad, who the only thing I remember about him is he watched Gilligan's Island every afternoon. He was a very nice man. And then after he passed away, uh, they took in Vern's mother uh, for several years. Vern and Lorraine invited us to their home frequently. You know, after living in a college dorm, to actually sit in their living room on a couch with real-life cushions was such a delight considering where we had come from, where the dorm sofas in the TV lounge were of the industrial strength variety, made to support three elephants for a 100 years or your money back. During the semester break of our junior year in college, uh, Janet and I got married to each other. Vernal Lorraine then drove 250 miles in January to our Saturday wedding with their pastor and our pastor. They stayed for the reception, and then they drove the 250 miles back to Eau Claire, all on the same day so that our pastor could preach the next morning. He must have been exhausted. Who does that for people? People who say about their lives, even though we never had children, we invested in the children of other people. What a rich life we have lived.
And we weren't the only ones they invested in. On a number of occasions, they had various college students living with them from time to time in their basement. That in addition to caring for their parents at the same time. They really modeled for us what it means to be generous, to give of their time and their resources and their money. A second thing that they modeled for us, second part of their investment, was to make God the center of your life. Vern worked a great deal at church. He was the church treasurer, and he was chairman of their building committee. And long after we had uh, moved away after graduating from college, we would come up there maybe once or twice a year, and oftentimes Vern would be moving dirt and debris as the new church went up. And in San Antonio, when where they lived during the winter, I remember on one occasion he uh, spent an awful lot of time arranging a container to send school supplies to a mission school in Uganda. And he spent a lot of time raising the funds to do that. He was also quite involved with their adult Sunday school class. They apparently had a really uh, competent teacher there. His name was Russell. And uh, they would be copying his lesson plans and sending them all over the world for those who asked for it. This was long before the internet, and you can do that online. Another way they invested in our lives was to show us what it looks like to age gracefully with wisdom. I remember on one occasion, Vern had just bought a car. It was a new car. It was a long, gray Hyundai station wagon, and it looked like a hearse. (laughs) We teased him about it, and so did Lorraine, and it reminded us of the time we used to razz him about his travel all years ago. But he he loved that car. But he told me at one time when we were driving around, You know, this is probably the last car I'm going to be able to buy. Not because of finances, but because he knew that he was aging and that someday somebody was going to say to him, Vern, we got to take the car keys away from you. And, you know, he didn't didn't talk like that was going to be a really big deal. It was just a recognition that at some point he was going to lose his freedom. And that was okay. That was just part part of aging. And he was fine with that. And in the meantime, he could enjoy driving his last new car. Vernon and Lorraine modeled for us such grace and wisdom in so many areas of our life when we were quite young. I remember one time, just as we were getting married, uh, Lorraine had a friend who had an apartment building in Eau Claire. And uh, she put in a good word for us, and and, uh, we ended up renting this place when when we got married. Well... Shortly into our rental uh, of the place, uh, Janet's birthday was coming up, and I thought it would be great fun to get a dog for her. And so another friend had a car and took me out to a a farm outside of town, and we picked up a dog, a beagle. We called him Barney. And we had this dog, this beagle, in this very tiny apartment above a garage. And we didn't tell the landlady, her friend, and eventually, Mrs. Burns found out and said, hey, you got to get rid of the dog, which is certainly understandable. But Lorraine never mentioned that. She never said, well, how could you do that to me? This is my friend, and you put me in a bad light by doing something so dumb. But she never said that. She was silent. I think the biggest thing that I remember about their silence was one time when uh, Lorraine was talking about how in their backyard there were no trees and how she really wanted a tree. And she and and Vern would just banter back and forth with her about about having this tree or not having this tree, and and it was just bantering. 
And so one time uh, they were out of town, and Janet and I and, and two other friends uh, went to our friend's uh, house, our friend Terry, and uh, there was a wood, woods behind his parents' house, and we dug up a tree, and a small tree, a sapling, and we took that tree back to Vernon Lorraine's backyard, and we planted it right in the middle of the, but, the backyard. And Vern never said anything. If that would have been me, I would have been irate. Who do these kids think they are planting this tree in this backyard? It's harder to mow around. And I told Lorraine I didn't want this tree, and here they go planting this tree. It was, it was a big hassle for him. Fortunately, we didn't realize that when you plant a tree, you need to water that tree. And we weren't around to water it. And eventually it died, and he eventually dug it up. But we created another job for him. Uh, how dumb. But we were young, and they never said a word about it. The thing that actually I've been thinking about more recently was uh, when Jan and I got married, uh, 10 months uh, into our marriage, our daughter was born. And so here Janet gets pregnant, has a, has a baby 10 months after the wedding, and they've been trying to have kids for years. I mean, they really wanted children. And here we're 21 years old, we're children ourselves, and we're having a child. I just wonder what went through her mind. She never talked about it, never complained, because what she lived life by was, even though we never had children of our own, we invested in the children of other people. I I just wonder how hard that must have been for her. But you never would have guessed it by the way they welcomed us into their home and how they embraced our parenthood and our daughter. That's just the way they were. Another thing they did, another thing that they modeled for us, another investment in in their life for us, was just the, the way that they encouraged people. Vern had a knack for encouraging me with just a few words. There was a time when I had been teaching for several years and I was thinking about, you know, maybe maybe I should get into business, maybe get into sales. And I had investigated a couple of sales opportunities outside of teaching. And I asked Vern what he thought because his opinion meant a lot to me because he was a very successful business person. He had a truck dealership in Eau Claire. And uh, I remember asking him, what do, you, what do you think? Do you think I could do this? You know, really be honest with me. And he said just a brief sentence, I think you'd be good at that, period. That's all he said. That's all he said. And I lived on that comment for a long, long time. And because of his encouragement, because of his opinion, I did leave teaching, and I did get into a sales profession. I can't imagine where my life would be now if if I wouldn't have done that. And I can't imagine I would have done that if he had said something other than, I think you'd be good at that. And the fifth way that Vern and Lorraine invested in Janet and me was to model something very important, and that is that we can share in the joy of what others have that we lack, in their case, children. When our daughter Jennifer was just an infant, maybe a toddler, uh, I remember being at Vern and Lorraine's house, and I remember Vern uh, taking Jennifer, who was in a sleeper at the time, and sliding her down their long, polished coffee table with me at the other end to catch her. And Jennifer just giggled each time we did it. And she would get off the table and toddle back to where Vern was, and he'd pick her up, and he'd slide her down the other end of the table, and I would catch her once again. 
he and I had a great fun doing that. And you know, as I remember it, his joy was just as great as mine, even though Jennifer was my child and not his. He didn't have any, but he shared in my joy. And even when we talk now, they always ask how Jennifer and her son Michael are doing. You know, they're grown adults right now with families of their own. Their life of investing in other people is paying off now for people they invested in for years are now investing back in them as 93-year-olds in failing health. Near the end of our Thanksgiving conversation with Lorraine, she started telling about all the people that are coming uh, coming by and checking in just to see how they're doing. And, and one in particular really struck me. She mentioned, uh, she, she said this. She said, Jim and Patty Walker stopped by and dropped off some soup for us. The lady at the front desk said it was in the refrigerator in the lobby. Well, I know Jim and Patty Walker. They're a little bit older than we are. Uh, he's a retired doctor by now, uh, and they live 60 miles away. They live 60 miles away, and they made the trip to deliver soup to Vernon Lorraine. It reminded me of a conversation one time um, when we had met with Vernon Lorraine halfway between Milwaukee and Madison at a truck stop that we used to uh, get together with. And and uh, Vern was talking to me about uh, about Jim, and uh, he showed me a note uh, that Jim had given him, uh, a card. And, and, and the note said uh, this to Vern uh, from Jim. He said, even though you never had children, I still consider you my father. Vern was very proud of that note, and his eyes welled up with tears as he told me about it. What a great thing for Jim to do to affirm Vern in that way. It was really, really meaningful to him. What I took away from our Thanksgiving phone call to Vernon Lorraine is that even though some important things may be missing in our lives, we can experience joy in giving to people what we don't have. Even though we are not able to have children of our own, we can be parents to other people's kids. Even though people may not affirm us, we can affirm them. Even though people may not initiate with us, we can initiate with them. And even though people may not love us the way we want, we can love them. Which leads us to our show summary in a sentence, the big idea of today's program. And it's this, even though an important piece in my life may be missing, we can find joy in giving to people what is absent in their lives. So how can you respond to today's show? What is missing in your life? What is lacking? And then consider how you can take that deficiency and turn it into an opportunity to bless others. Thank you for listening to today's show. If you found it helpful, please share it with someone. I would also appreciate it if you could leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, Episode 5 will be about the gift of joy. And now to end today's program with our quote of the week. It comes to us from legendary basketball coach John Wooden, who said, You haven't had a perfect day until you've done something for someone who can never pay you back. Thank you for listening. See you next week.